If you're watching online, we want to say good morning to you as well. This is a good chance to go get a cup of coffee, maybe another part of your breakfast. We're glad you're here this morning if you're watching online. Well, thanks so much for being here this morning. Again, I'm Nate, one of the pastors here. And uh, I don't know, I, I feel like I just had a cardio workout or something like that. That was, that was really good. Thanks for Trey leading us this morning and the team up there. Uh, a few things just to keep in mind as we get going this morning. In the seat back in front of you, you can find one of these connection cards. Uh, if you're watching online, you can find them on the front page of the website. Uh, in just a moment, there'll be a QR code on the screen that you can use your camera and uh, kind of scan that uh, QR code, and you can fill this out digitally if you'd like to on your phone right now. We just would love to have you take a moment and check in, say hi, let us know how we can pray for you. Uh, there's a chance to respond this morning on the card. I'm going to highlight that in just a minute. Uh, but if you're new with us this morning, if it's your first Sunday, or maybe you've been coming for a few weeks but haven't taken the time to fill out one of these cards yet, I really want to encourage you to do that because we would love the chance just to say hi, to, uh, to welcome you to Hillcrest, to let you know a little bit about who we are. And if you'll fill one of these out, we can kind of take that first step to get to know you. So uh, consider doing that this morning. Next Sunday, we're going to celebrate baptism together as a church. There's several uh, adults and kids that want to be baptized. And so next Sunday, we're going to do that. And it's not too late to join in. If you have not been baptized, if you're following Jesus, but you've never made that public confession of your faith, you've never stood before your church and said, I'm following Jesus and taking that step of baptism. Next Sunday is your Sunday. We would love for you to participate with us. Uh, it's an outward sign of what God's doing inside of you. And, and Jesus was baptized, and he said, I want you to be baptized. So uh, consider that for next Sunday. On the card here, there's a little box you can check. says, I'm interested in baptism. If you check that box and uh, drop these off with us this morning or submit them online, uh, we'll follow up with you and get you all ready for next Sunday. We'd love to have you do that. Uh, before we pray together, I just want to acknowledge that the, the lighting in our sanctuary is off a little bit this morning. It was last Sunday. Uh, it's a little dim out there for you guys. I know that. And uh, we've been having some trouble with our lighting and Barry's working on it. So we're just praying that that will get uh, fixed real soon. If you've been part of Hillcrest for any number of years, you know that that's something we've struggled with over the last couple years. So Barry's trying to get it down to what the real issues are. So I'm excited that we might get a solution soon. But it's going to be a little dim out there this morning. Sorry about that. Uh, I'd like to pray with you, and we've been starting this new year off by praying with other churches around the area in Prairie Village here. There's six churches that have said they're going to join together and pray for one another every Sunday, and this morning we're going to pray for Christ Church Anglican just down the road here, uh, Pastor Patrick and his team there, and uh, they asked that we would pray uh, words of praise. They've just finished a three-year campaign down there where they've made some improvements to the facilities and started some new ministries. And he said, they said, let's just praise God with us uh, that that period is, is working through and we're seeing God do new things. Uh, they're beginning an alpha program soon for people who are exploring God and, and who God is. And so he asked that we would pray for that alpha program and then just lifting up their, their staff there, that they would continue to feel God calling them forward. So let's take a moment and, and lift them up and also pray for our time together. So would you bow your heads with me and let's talk to God together. Father, we thank you for a chance to uh, worship you this morning, to lift our voices in song. Uh, we thank you for uh, Christ Church just down the road here, Lord, and the work that you're doing through that church and this community. For Pastor Patrick and the, other on the others on the team, Lord, we ask that, that even right now as they're meeting together, that you would be moving and, and, and doing things in their midst, Lord, that they would have a sense of your presence with them. 
and your, your grace and your compassion for them in these moments. We pray for the Alpha program that's starting there very soon, that those who are interested in, in exploring who you are, Father God, and what, what Jesus is all about, Lord, might those people be drawn to that connection, and might those Alpha gatherings be really helpful uh, in the lives of those people who are gathering. We pray for the entire staff team, Lord, that they would have a sense of what's next for them. Like, as you're drawing them forward in this new season, Lord, that as a church community, you would bless them and encourage them. Father, we're thankful for them this morning. We're thankful that we're part of a larger gathering of the Big C Church around the world. Your movement is, is taking place in the lives of, of thousands and millions today, right now in this moment. So, Father, we are thankful we get to join in. Would you speak to us this morning? As we open up scripture, as we invite you to speak to us, would Spirit of God, would you encourage us and correct us and call us back to yourself? And we will thank you for it. We praise you, Father God, this morning. You are so good. You are so faithful to us. You have revealed yourself to us through Jesus, and we thank you for him. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. You know, there was a, a time in my life when, when praying like that would create tension for me. There was an internal tension I had when it came to prayer. There was a, a time when I was in college, and we would get together in our dorm with several guys from the floor, and we would do a Bible study together. So we'd get together and read the Bible, and then we'd pray. And when we would pray, it would go around the circle. So one person would pray, and then the next person, we'd just kind of go around the circle. And when it got to be your turn, uh, you could take a pass if you wanted to. You could just say pass, or you could just be silent. The next person would go. But there was sort of this unspoken understanding that if you pass on prayer somehow you're not living your best life. You know, there's something, there's something missing, you know, in, in your walk with the Lord. And so there was this pressure to pray. And, and as it would be going around the circle, I'd be sitting there, and instead, you know, the person across the other side of the circle, they're lifting up a conversation with the God of the universe. And instead of listening to what, what they were saying, I would be sitting on my side of the circle thinking about, okay, what am I going to say when it's my turn? What are the words I'm going to bring up? How can I say it in a way that's going to be encouraging and helpful, that, that has meaning to it? And I would start to think about, you know, the kind of prayer language I wanted to insert in my time of prayer. You know, did I want to, did I want to plant a seed today? Did I want to fan a flame? You know, did I want to build a hedge? Whatever it might be, you know, I wanted to have the right prayer language in that moment. And there was one night when I was doing this, just kind of rehearsing what I wanted to say. And it's like the Spirit of God put his finger on my life or in my mind. And I had a thought, and I'm like, that's not me thinking that. You know, what is God wanting to say? And it was God saying to me, hey, in this moment, when your brothers in faith are there lifting up my name and lifting up their requests, I want you to be engaged with them. I want you to listen. I want you to pay attention to what they're saying because what they say can bless you and encourage you, and, and you can follow up on the things they're praying about because it's important to them. And the Spirit was saying to me, I don't need you all wrapped up in what you're going to say. Because in this moment, I want you listening to what they're saying, what they're putting on their heart. And so what I felt like God was saying to me is, until you can work this out, until you can figure out how to be present in the moment, not planning ahead, uh, you just have to take a pass. And so when it got to be my turn, as it came around the circle, I took a pass that night. And I had to take a pass several weeks in a row as I tried to figure out this tension that, was created in, that God was creating in me. I had this heart where I wanted to lift up the name of the Lord. I wanted to do it well, but my mind got stuck on the language and on making myself look right and... And God had to deal with that tension in my life. Do you guys experience tension in your spiritual life, in your walk with God? Do you experience tension in your everyday life? Do you create tension yourself? Is there, a, is there someone else alongside you that creates tension? If you're going like this right now, stop doing that. All right? <laughs> Don't do that. 
You know, there, I could create, create tension right now in this moment. There's certain words I could say right now that would cause the hair on the back of your neck to say, it would create tension right in this moment. Certain words I could say, like, I won't say any words. <laughs> I won't do that to you. That's, that's cruel. But, you know, some of us like to have things organized and in line, like things have their places, and when things are out of place, we feel tension. So I want to just share some pictures with you that might cause some tension. So this first picture, you're driving along the road, and you see this. Manhole cover shifted. Does that create tension for you? How about this next picture? Do you have a friend that does this to milk cartons? There's a little spigot they can open up, but they rip the side open. This is a toxic person, okay? You don't need them in your life. Uh, how about this next picture? I can't even look at it. I can't look at it. There are tools designed to help you get the hole punch in the right place, all right? Let's, let's work on this, people. How about this next picture? Brickwork and stonework is not easy. We pay professionals to do it. And this is just tragic. Someone really didn't get the memo. Uh, one more picture. I was at the grocery store, and did you ever... You see a mustard shelf like this? It's just wonderful, but that one bottle, I don't even want to see the ketchup. I don't even want to get there. We have, we have tension in our lives. There are things that push on us and pull on us. Tension shows up. If our eyes are open, you know, if we're, if we're watching, there's going to be tension. Our beliefs collide with our actions as we encounter those that we care about, and, and our relationships inform our internal dialogue that speaks into our identity, which of course affects our self-image, and, and all of these things push and pull against one another, and we experience tension. Tension shows up when I'm trying to understand why a friend is making a decision that they're making that I don't think is a good decision, and I want to talk to them about it, but I don't want to sound judgmental, and there can be tension there. It shows up when I find that used car, that perfect car I've been looking for, but it's going to cost more than I thought, and I'd committed in 2023, I'm not going to go into debt, and now it looks like I'm going to have to take a loan out to get that car, and I have tension. Should I do it? Should I not do it? Tension's created when, uh, as parents, you disagree on parenting styles, the best way to walk alongside your kids, or maybe your entertainment choices. Life has tension. There's just no way around it. And then we go to Romans 12 and read these words in the Bible. Be careful to do what everyone thinks is right. If possible, live in peace with everyone. Do that as much as you can. Do what everyone thinks is right. Seriously, Paul? <laughs> How are we supposed to do that? And then he says, and then be at peace. Wait a second. How can I do what everybody else thinks is right and still be at peace? There is tension in that for us. As you came in this morning, maybe you picked up a name tag, and at the tall tables, there's little rubber bands, and there's a little sign there saying, hey, pick up a rubber band. If you didn't pick one up as you were coming in, you can grab one as you're leaving. I want to encourage you to do that. Rubber bands remind us of tension. They work because of the elasticity, because there's tension in the rubber band. I've got a really big rubber band up here. This is a, a bungee cord, you know, and we use these to hold things together. You can put them around something, and you can pull on things and move things because of the tension. And if there wasn't tension in the bungee cord, well, then it would just be a rope. It wouldn't be useful, right? You have to use it in a different way. But because it's got elasticity, because there's tension, it can create energy. It can build synergy. It, uh, it has tension to it that sparks and moves things. And as followers of Jesus, we live in tension. That's our reality. There's things that cause tension. What matters more, our internal beliefs or how we live out those beliefs in our public life. There's tension there for us. Is our walk with Jesus, is it a personal decision that we make, or is it a communal movement in our lives? There's tension there for us. When does saving money move from a wise choice to becoming 
hoarding treasure on earth. There's tension there for us. Does Jesus want me to bring the olive branch of peace or the sword of truth into any conversation that I'm heading into? There's tension for us. Some of you feel that tension. Others of you may not experience it quite the same way. And that's because tension has a lot of variables to it. There's a lot of things that inform what is tense for us, what's, what creates tension in our lives. It might be helpful to look at the formula for tension. How do you figure out what tension is? There's a scientific formula we'll put up here on the screen. Tension equals MG plus MA. Of course, you know what the letters stand for, right? Uh, I had to look it up. So M, G, and A, three letters. M is mass, the weight something has the heaviness of it. G is gravity, the pull downward on that object. And A is acceleration, the speed at which it's moving. So tension is mass times gravity plus mass times acceleration. So there are topics in our world. There are things that come up that create more tension in you than other things do. And maybe it has to do with the mass of that thing. Maybe it's the weight of that issue, the weight of that story. You, you've gone through something similar. You've been through a hardship. You've been through suffering, maybe an abusive relationship. And when you hear about those things, there's a weight to it that you feel that maybe other people don't feel quite the same way. Or, or it could be the gravity to it, that there's a pull on you, an emotional tug on your heart when that situation comes up or that person comes up because you have experience with it, because someone you love has gone through it, and there's just a gravitational pull. Some people seem to float through it without a big issue at all, but you, you've got this, this gravity on you. It's almost like you live on Jupiter, where the gravity is twice as much as Earth, and you feel it in a different way. Or maybe the variable that causes more work for you is the acceleration, the speed at which it's moving. You would love for things to slow down a little bit, to have some more time, to have the conversation, to think through the options, but you have to make a decision fast. And so it feels more tense to you. All these factors contribute to the amount of tension that we feel. And because we're all different people, we're all individuals, we have different experiences, uh, you might feel tension in, in a way that's different from another person. And of course, that difference in feeling creates more tension <laughs> in the midst of our tension. Since we encounter topics and behaviors and issues and social realities with different perspectives, there's a different weight and pull and speed on topics for each one of us. And it's easy for us uh, to become unkind with people that don't see things the way that we do. It's very easy for us to become jerky in how we treat other people. There's a covenant pastor named Eugene Peterson, and he wrote a book a few years ago that's titled, Thou Shalt Not Be a Jerk. It's the name of the book. And it's a lot about politics, but right in the introduction of the book, he writes these words. To be a Christ follower is to be faithful amid tension, to stay engaged, to remain hopeful, to love anyway, to walk with integrity, and to bear witness to the love, mercy, and grace of Christ. He writes, this is becoming increasingly difficult, but such is our calling as followers of Jesus. It's not merely what we believe, but also how we engage. What we believe matters but also how we engage with other people around those beliefs matter, how we treat them, how we speak to them. So during this series, we're going to spend a few weeks talking about tension, things that cause tension in our lives. And during this series, I'm going to encourage you to fight against that temptation to remove tension from your life, to resolve the tension. There's tensions you have in your faith or in relationships or in God's authority over your life. And and that tension might be just what God wants to use to stretch you and create something new in you in this season of life. 
So instead of trying to release that tension, I'm going to invite you to restore the tension, to lean in, to build it back into your life. If you've released something, maybe it's time to re-engage and feel the tension again. These new tensions, as they surface, can help us pursue the life that God created us for, to refine us, to change us. So we're going to lean in over the next few weeks. And we want to spend some time talking about tension again this morning. We want to lean into one particular area of tension, and that's the area of compassion versus justice. There's tension in our lives around compassion and justice. One of the places I've seen that play out is in the courtroom. Some of you have maybe been in a courtroom. I have a friend in Minnesota who's a lawyer. And uh, one time when I got to know him for several years, we were together for about 15 years. And at one point I said, hey, Paul, I want to come with you to court someday and see what your life is like as a lawyer. I was just curious. And so I went with him to the courtroom and I sat there for about five hours and, and watched as different people stood before that judge. And as they stood there and the judge making decisions about the, the next few months of their life, the next few years, maybe the rest of their life, how he, would, he or she would limit or restrict that person standing before the judge. And I imagine standing in their place. Can you imagine standing before a person who's making decisions about the next season of your life? You might have it forever changed by that person and just waiting to hear what they're, they're going to say. The, the tension in that moment. And, and what I felt when I was putting myself in their place is I, I could imagine wanting compassion, wanting a second chance, wanting some mercy in that moment. I know what I did was wrong, but please give me an opportunity to change, to live in a different way, wanting compassion. And I thought about that for a little while as I watched them stand before the judge, and then I began to think about the people sitting around me in the gallery of that courtroom, those that were sitting nearby who were watching what was happening, and not because they were going to have to stand there, but because that person is up there because of something they did in their life. It was their car that they hit. It was their son that got beat up. It was their house that was broken into. And I imagine them sitting there watching this happen and thinking and wanting for justice, wanting things to be made right, wanting for consequences because of the actions that were taken by the person standing before the judge. I imagine them wanting to have that offense not minimized or that punish reduced, but for things to be just in that moment. There's tension between compassion and justice in our lives. Compassion invites us to listen to the story of another person, to walk a little while in their shoes, to imagine what it was like growing up in their home, to acknowledge that there's dynamics going on around them that can cause them to live into a different type of reality. Compassion calls us to be sensitive. Justice invites us to seek accountability for suffering and pain. When lines are crossed, when lives are abused, when powerful people misuse their ability, justice calls for a response and a change. And we often decide which one we're going to express based on what's better for us, what, fits, what feels good to us. We'll decide if we're going to be compassionate or we're going to be seeking justice depending on how it feels to us. And we see people in the Bible exploring this as well and going through this type of tension. I think of King David in the Old Testament who would often write down his prayers that would become songs that the people of Israel would sing. And in the book of Psalm, Psalm 25, David once wrote down a prayer that he had for God, and here's what he prayed. He said, God, don't remember the sins I committed when I was young. Don't remember how I often refused to obey you. Remember me because you love me, Lord. You are good. What David wanted was compassion. Right? He wanted mercy. He wanted a second chance. Don't, when you think about me, God, don't think about my sin. Forget my sin. Think about how you love me instead. I need your compassion. 
And then a while later, after David had gone through some really hard seasons of life, when people had abused him and come against him, he wrote down a different prayer about those people in Psalm 109. David said, God, may everything those people own be taken away to pay for what they owe. May strangers rob them of everything they've worked for. May no one be kind to them or take pity on their children, the children they leave behind. May the Lord remember the evil things their fathers have done. May he never erase the sins of their mothers. David wants justice. He says, forget my sin, but never forget the sins of my enemies. He wants justice. Compassion for himself and justice to be satisfied for for his enemies. That's that's how we engage often in this tension between compassion and justice. What's going to work best for us? When we think about hardship and suffering and sin, when it's me that's messed up, I want mercy from God. I want a second chance. I want him to think about circumstances outside my control. But when you mess up and it negatively affects me, I want God to bring justice. I don't want to hear about circumstances. I want to hear about consequences. I want things made right again. Compassion and justice, they both matter, and they both bring tension into our lives. God is full of compassion, and he's perfect in justice. The Bible tells us the truth about God. Here's what it says about God. The Lord is gracious and righteousness. Our God is full of compassion. It says, mighty God, king, you love what is right. You have established justice in Israel. You have brought righteousness and fairness. You see, God has compassion in hand and justice in hand, and he holds them perfectly in the perfect tension. We don't have that ability to do that, so it pushes and it pulls us back and forth. One of the places that God's compassion and justice is best displayed is is on the cross where Jesus died for our sin, where, where God revealed his compassion for us, his mercy, because of our sin and our rebellion. He Instead of putting it on us, he put it on his son, Jesus took on the weight of our sin and rebellion. He carried that for He didn't need to, but he did. And he fulfilled justice in that way. Paul would write to his friends about this, his friends in Rome. So in the New Testament, the book of Romans, chapter 5, we read these words. Paul's writing. He says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us, his great compassion for us, by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we've been made right in God's sight, since there is now justice and righteousness in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God is restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we certainly will be saved through the life of his son. See, God showed his great compassion for us by sending Jesus to take our place. And Jesus bore the weight and pain of our sin and fulfilled what justice demanded. You know, our sin, all the things that we do that push away from God, when when we decide instead of following God's way, we're going to follow our own way. We're going to pursue our own preferences. All those things that we do that hurt ourselves and hurt others, they must be made right. We are accountable for them. And Jesus steps in, and he takes on the weight of that accountability that we rightly deserve. Every other approach we see to a supreme deity in the world minimizes, often they just minimize justice. 
They dole out compassion and mercy, but at the expense of justice. In Islam, Allah can decide at any time to not hold a person's sins against them, to release the consequences, to say, it's okay, don't worry about your accountability, I'm just going to let you go free, and justice is not satisfied. In the Hindu religion, karma can be adjusted if you learn from it or if you uh, come to a place of understanding that you're not perfect. And so you say to the person you've offended, hey, I'm so sorry, but I'm not perfect. And these things are going to happen. If you can acknowledge that, come to that higher plane of thinking, then your karma can be adjusted and the wrong you've done will just be brushed aside. But when the way of Jesus, those of us that follow Jesus, the demands of justice are met. They're not minimized. Jesus took the full weight of our sin, the full weight of justice for us when he died on the cross. And sometimes we struggle to accept God's forgiveness and compassion. We feel like, you don't know what I've done. You don't know how bad I've been. And Jesus says, I know, and I've paid the price. I've done what's required. We feel like we haven't earned it, and, and really that's the point, because we haven't earned it. Jesus did for us. And that is good news for us. Justice is satisfied because of God's great compassion because he sent Jesus for us. That's good news. And I don't know if you feel the tension of that, but I still feel the tension of that, that I am loved and broken at the same time. Does God love you just as you are? Yes, he does. Does God want to transform your life and create something new in you? Yes, he does. There is tension in that for us, compassion and justice, the weight of God's mercy, the gravity of our sin and our suffering, the quickening of the Spirit, the acceleration of the Spirit of God as he transforms our lives, tension at work in us. There's also tension in how compassion and justice plays out as we interact with our neighbors and the shifts in our culture. To be compassionate, we need to allow people to live through their story, to understand that their journey is going to look different than ours, that they're going to have different mountaintops and different valleys that we have that they're walking and God is alongside them. Whether they realize it or not, he is with them and they are walking in this journey. We have compassion to know that they have their own story that they're living out. To be just means we need to grow in our ability to move when oppression and suffering shows up. To do justice, as Micah 6.8 says, we have to respond instead of waiting. Take action instead of excusing behavior. Justice means we, we build boundaries and we name offenses especially when others are being devalued and their rights being overlooked. We want to make sure that they are seen and honored and lifted up. I've heard a story to illustrate this. It's just an illustration. It's not a true story, but it tries to capture this tension between compassion and justice. And the story goes that there's a man along a riverbank, and he's looking at the river, and he sees someone drowning in the river. So he jumps in, and he swims out to them, and he he grabs them, and he fights to get back to the shore, and he puts them up on the shoreline, and he's standing over them, making sure they're okay, trying to catch his breath. And he looks out, and he sees that there's a second person out in the river, and they're also struggling to survive. So he jumps into the water, and he swims out, and he grabs them and brings them back to the shore. He's barely able to make it as he hoists them up onto the bank, and he falls down next to them trying to catch his breath, looking to make sure they're okay. And then he glances out, and to his horror, he sees a third person in the river drowning. But he doesn't have the energy. He just can't. He's expended all that he has. And the story goes on to say, if he had only, when he saw that first person, if he'd only run up the riverbank just a few blocks, he would have seen that there was a cruel, unjust man throwing people into the water. And if he could have gotten there in time, he could have stopped it from the source. Compassion called him to act right in that moment. But justice calls us to look at the source, where the bigger picture, and how can we address that? And there's tension in those two things. 
We live into that tension. What do we do to help those who are experiencing homelessness? How do we come alongside them? How do we welcome immigrants and refugees, especially when legal entry points are being sidestepped? Can we value the life of the surprised mother and the life of the unborn child that she is carrying? And and I believe that we hurt our ability to influence our community when we pretend that there's easy answers to those questions. When we try to release the tension between justice and compassion, we often end up settling for hurtful words or a shallow kind of truth that doesn't actually bring life transformation. We settle for something else instead of the way of Jesus. If you've decided to let go of justice so you can focus on compassion, or maybe you've decided to let go of compassion because you want to stand on the side of justice, I want to encourage you to lean back into the tension this morning. It would be good to invite the Spirit of God to speak to you about this, to say, what are the, what are the situations, the issues, the people groups in my community that, that cause me to, to struggle to show compassion? What are the issues of justice that I'm not engaging in because I don't even know where to start? And invite the Spirit of God to talk to you about those things, that you can begin to live in the tension of them again. It's part of why we want you to grab a rubber band as you leave this morning, and maybe put it on your wrist or put it in your pocket this week, and when you see that rubber band, remind yourself that there's tension in this world and that there should be some tension in your life about things like compassion and justice. I've had friends who have used a rubber band when they're trying to break a habit, so when that bag of Fritos is calling out to them, they'll they'll smack the rubber band, or when that cigarette calls out, they'll do this, and that little bit of pain will remind them, oh, I want to do something different. I want to live in a different way, and maybe that's something you can use this week when you think about compassion, and justice. Instead of releasing the tension, restore the tension. Invite God to stir that up in you again. It could be that he's going to do something new during this series as we talk about these tensions, that you're going to see him moving in a fresh way as you lean back into the tension. God holds them perfectly, but you and I, we're still growing. We're still being refined by the Spirit of God. There's still work to do. I don't know if you know this, but today is Sanctity of Life Sunday. 1984, President Reagan initiated the third Sunday of January as a day to remember that life is sacred, that every life has value, that every person is made in the image of God. Every life, every person, the elderly adult struggling with memory loss, the incarcerated life forgotten behind walls and barbed wire, the special needs friend looking for purpose and community, the unborn life waiting to be welcomed into a family. Every life matters. And even as I say those words, you might have some tension start to well up inside of you. You might think about that and have some tension around. I want to encourage you to ask God about that, to lean in. Why why is it that I have tension around this, Father? What is it you want me to understand? What is the, the weight and the gravity and the speed of that issue in your life that causes tension? And let's bring that before the Lord together today. I want to invite you to watch a short little video about Sanctity of Life and continue to ask those questions, inviting God to stir something new in you. And then we're going to close together with a song. So watch this video. with Life lived one heartbeat at a time all around me. One fragile breath after another in a world sometimes hostile to it. Each soul created for the Creator, honored, enjoyed, celebrated for his good pleasure. Often though, we forget we are all from the same dust, turning our backs on the need of our fellow humans. Brushed aside, neglected, 
forgotten, dismissed as too much to bear. Yet the one who made us bore it all for every one of our sakes, for those who are defenseless, for those who hold the most power. The Lord's decree to us has never changed. Protect life, nourish it, pour in all the grace you have, extend all the mercy you can, sacrifice as you must, reach long and hard for every hand. Whether it is a life, whether it carries a life, sanctity means that we give all the love back to the God who holds each soul in his hand by caring for his creation as long as we have breath. Why don't you stand with me and uh, let's pray together and then we're going to invite Trey and the team to sing this song as we're, as we're heading out this morning. Um, allow me to pray. Father God, we thank you for these moments together with you, with one another, with your word. Father, we do thank you for the tension that we experience in this life. Often it doesn't feel good, Lord, but we know you have a purpose for it. We ask that you would help us experience the tension, the tension between compassion and justice, how we're to extend love and mercy and grace to those around us, to acknowledge that they have their own experiences and life that they're walking through with you, whether they acknowledge you or not, Lord. We need to have compassion, and at the same time, Lord, we need to speak out against abuses and hurt that is being done to those who are often overlooked or minimized, Lord. We want to be people who seek justice because Scripture is clear about that as well. Help us live into that tension this week, Father, and we will thank you for it. Thanks for being here this morning as, as you head out. If you've got those connection cards, if you have offering, you can drop those in the joy boxes in the back. Right, we celebrate generosity here, so uh, do that as you leave. Thanks for being here. Take time to welcome Trey this morning if you're able to. Uh, go now with God. See that he's working in your world today. Invite him to change you. We'll see you next Sunday. Go with God. Amen.